Welcome to the LifePoint Palm Bay Sermon Podcast. We encourage you to make copies of this message, but please don't charge for those copies. If you'd like to know more about LifePoint Palm Bay, please visit lifepointpb.com. And if you need a Bible this morning, I see the ushers have those as well. Maybe you left yours at home or in the car, you can just wave at one of these guys, and they'd be happy to pass Bible to you. And we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. As we continue in this series, One Another. And before we dive into all of that, as you're turning over to 1 Corinthians 12, would you just join with me as we pray uh, for life chain and just what's happening, not just here, but nationwide today. Um, and, and just join with me as we pray. Lord, we thank you that you have given us life. We realize that life comes from you that you are the author of life. And Lord, we realize that you gave us physical life and you've given us eternal life. But Lord, we're crying out today for many, many, many babies who do not have the opportunity to have life. At least life lived on this planet. At this time in history, we're crying out on behalf of those mothers who are in desperate situations and don't know where to turn and what to do. God, we're crying out for your mercy, for your grace. We're crying out for the move of your spirit in their life, the people that you will bring to them, the words that you will speak to them. God, we're asking you to move and to save. God, we are crying out that you would give us wisdom how that we stand with you for life. And Lord, we're also crying out for those today who they've gone through the heartache of an abortion. And many that I've talked to, and often the grief, the sorrow, the regret that's attached with it. And the enemy wants to come and he wants to accuse. And so, God, we're crying out for those who have gone through that heartache. That there would be no judgment from any of us. We have no right. We have no position to judge. But, Lord, there would be a willingness to cry out to you. Because you do have the right and you don't judge. Lord, you forgive. I love that sign. It says that Jesus heals and forgives. He does. You do, Jesus. So, Lord, we cry out for that today. And for each one, whether from Life Point or from other churches in this area and all across this nation, that, Lord, today we would be a people united in calling on you to save life. Because you say, that's your name, Jesus. Jesus saves. You are our Savior. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, it has been an interesting week and morning for me, and I could go in a whole lot of different directions today. But I believe the Lord has us on a path and a journey, and I don't think I'm going to talk very long. I've said that before, but I I have good intentions. For all, I have witnesses yesterday that I think that my message, the dedication, was only 12 minutes. Um, I have witnesses to that effect. I'm not making that up. I want to talk less and I want the Holy Spirit to speak more today. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 
I want to start in verse 25, and then we're going to backtrack a little bit. But verse 25 says that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Care for one another. Another one of these one another's care for. Now, the problem is, is when we say care for one another, and often when I think about this, I, I come to the wrong conclusion about what this word means. And we think care for, we think, you know, medical care or, you know, different kinds of care. Um, and, and that's true. That could be encompassed. But this word is translated in other places. Um, don't be anxious. Matter of fact, in Philippians 4, where it says be anxious for nothing, the same word care. It literally means to give thought for, to care about. So much so, for example, if I tell you that a, a boat flips over in Greece and 12 people die, there's a likelihood that you say that's bad and, and there may be a little sorrow or, or, or a little sadness attached with that. But you didn't know anybody, you don't live in Greece, you're not there. And so, in a real sense, you're sad that it happened, but there's not a lot of care. I don't mean that in a negative or bad way, but often that's the case. It is very distant removed from us. However, if you went out with your family on a boat in the Indian River this weekend, and it capsized and several died and drowned, you would care. You would be emotionally, physically moved by all of that. Why? The reason why is because of what we're going to look at in this chapter. God put this care for one another in the midst of an amazing chapter. He took a whole chapter to talk about a subject that quite honestly is very difficult to do in the American church. Other church, other believers around the world do this much better than we do as Americans. And it's not completely our fault. We can't help it we were born as Americans, as those in the United States. But we are an independent people. We love the Declaration of Independence. We love the fact we fought for our independence. We love stories about people who, you know, they did it. against. They overcame odds and, you know, they were all alone, but they, they succeeded. They pulled themselves up. They succeeded. We get inspired by that. We are an independent people. The problem is, that the Lord intended us to be a dependent people. To be a connected people. If I were going to put a name on today, instead of calling it care for one another, I would say connect with one another. Connect with one another. Back up with me to verse 12 in chapter 12. Paul's writing, he starts this first, by the, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's writing, he begins the chapter up in verse 1 talking about spiritual gifts. And he talks about how the gifts are given by the Spirit and all. We're not going to start there for the sake of this message. We're going to begin in verse 12. For just as the body, because he's now going to give us a physical example to help us understand the spiritual truth. Okay, so don't miss that. For just as the body is one. How many bodies do you have? One. Some of us have enough to make two or three, but we only have one, all right? For just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body. Okay, now he's going to go through here. He's going to use this word body 13 times 
It's the significant part of what he's trying to communicate in this chapter. He's going to use the term body and he's going to use the term member. When he talks about body, he's talking about members connected. When he says member, he's talking about individual member. Just like on your body. I have five fingers on this hand. But they are members or digits. Sometimes we call these digits. But in, in Paul's right, they're members. This finger is a member of the whole. It's an individual member, but it's part of the whole. So when I say my body, it would include that finger. When I simply say that finger, it is a single member. You keep that distinction as we go through here. It's important. Though many members, one body, so it is with Christ. He's saying this physical reality teaches us a spiritual truth. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jesus has one body. Okay, He is not a sideshow at a carnival. Okay, He is not something that is an aberration. He has one body. I want you to think about that when you have a tendency to be unforgiving or angry or upset or disconnected from someone who claims to be a brother and sister in Christ. Jesus has one body. One. Jew or Greek, slave or free, makes no difference. And all, makes no difference is my, I added that, okay, it's not in there. And all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less part of the body. Just because he says, hey, I'm not part, doesn't mean he's not. But says, I, well, I'm not part of the body because I don't have the same function as another part of the body. He's saying that would be silly. doesn't work that way. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? I mean, you'd be funny looking. You'd be, you'd be Cyclops, you know, just one big eye. Where's the hearing in all of that? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body. I don't want you to miss that. Who arranges members in the body? God does. Not you, not me, not somebody else. God does. He arranges members. He puts his body together the way he chooses. He says, if all were a single member, no, each one of them as he chooses, as he chose, if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. He's giving us the picture here of connection. Individual, but not individual, connected. Part of a body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the foot, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. I just had my annual checkup this past year. Every year I go to the doc and he takes some blood and checks my blood pressure, does all that kind of stuff, makes sure I'm healthy. And he's going and looking things. And when he comes back with that test, he looks at it. And he's checked to see how my liver is functioning. I have yet to see my liver. All right? I don't know what it looks like. It's functioning well, but I have no idea what it looks like. But he checks to see how it's doing. He checks my kidneys to see how they're doing. I have yet to see my kidneys. 
I can't see them. Do you understand what the writer is saying here? He's saying often the things that matter the most you see the least. And he says that's the way it is with the body. Sometimes we make a big deal. Matter of fact, often we make a big deal about what is visible. What the writer is saying here through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is that which is invisible is often more important than that which you can see. In a practical way, what he's saying is that there are many of you who are more valuable than me, even though everybody sees me. You understand that? I do. I understand that. Whether you do or not, I get that. I have a role within this body. But, it, but I'm dispensable. My finger, though I would like to keep it attached because it's very useful, I could live without it. I'd have to adjust different things. As a matter of fact, I can lose a lot of things in this body. I could lose my hand, my arm, my feet, my legs. I could lose a lot of things and still live, still function. What can I not lose and still live? I can't lose God, Jesus. And in this analogy, who is Jesus? He's the head. He's the head. I told this story before, um, but in case you didn't hear it, I'll tell it again. Several years ago, I went to the restroom before service, and a little boy about seven years old sees me in there, and he goes, are you the boss of the church? And I smiled, and I knew what he was asking me, because it's how we think in human terms. And I smiled and said, well, you know, I'm pastor of the church, and I have certain responsibilities, but Jesus is the boss of the church. And we never, ever get that mixed up. It's his church. He's the boss of the church. All of us are members we're members, he's the head. Let me tell you what we are as a church, what we're supposed to be. We are a particular people, individuals, connected to a particular body, this local body, with a particular purpose, as he lays out for us, learning how to live under the lordship of Jesus Christ together. That's who we are. That's what a church is. I want to say that again. You're an individual, particular person, connected to this particular body with a particular purpose, learning together how to live under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. This is what it means when he says connect, care for one another, be connected to one another. And in case you think you can do it on your own, or you're better on your own, that you're the Lone Ranger Christian, even the Lone Ranger had Tonto, all right? So don't tell me you're a Lone Ranger, because even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. And his horse. What was his, what was his horse's name? Silver. Silver. Yeah, silver. I couldn't remember there for a moment. Silver. So even the Lone Ranger wasn't alone. There is no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. There is not. God says, I have a plan. And that plan involves you being connected with the body. Now let's keep on reading. Verse 23. And those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. He's, he's, he's emphasizing this point. There is no hierarchy. James warns us. James says, if you see somebody come in who appears to be greater, They've got more money, more prestige, more status, more whatever you like. 
you fill in the more, fill in the blank. More of whatever it is you like. You, whatever you think is more. They got more of it. You see them come in. And you say to someone who has less of what you like, that you think is lesser, you need to move so this person can have that spot. All right? We'll give us a second for all of those to quit beeping and making noise. All right. I think we've established it is an Amber Alert. All right. So, James says you take and you ask one person to move because you think they're less, to put someone you think is more. James says that is evil. That's not just wrong. That's not just bad manners. It's evil. It comes from the pit. Satan thinks that way. Do you know how God thinks? He says, I have created you all with value and worth. I value you all. As a matter of fact, those who seem to be less, I think, are more. And those who think they're more, they're often less. And he said, I want you to relate to one another that way. I want you to treat one another that way. He says, I want you to give this, I want you to do this, verse 25, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. I'm not sure that in my church experience I've ever seen this fully lived out. I've seen more of it in recent years than I have previous. But I have seen mess in churches. I have been as a kid in a church business meeting where the chairman of the deacons brought a gun and said, Pastor, you're leaving tonight one way or the other. This is Christians, at least we claim to be Christians. I have seen people argue and fight and gossip and speak evil in my church experience. Because they were bad people? No, I don't think so. I think the problem was is we just thought we were better than what we really were. And because we didn't understand God and how He works, how He views all of us and the worth and the value that he places on it. We didn't treat people the way he treats them. Now, you say, Roy, are you talking about anything goes? No, I'm not. Because again, sin is sin. When one of us is engaged in it, the responsibility that we have because we're connected to one another is we challenge, we encourage one, we, we point it out, we say, do you recognize this violates what God says? That's not pleasant, but it's necessary. But he says, when you do this, you do this with care. We care for one another. You do this in a way that loves. You do this in a way that says, I don't want to prove that you're wrong. I just desire that fellowship not be broken, either with the Father or with us. We're asking you to do this. Huh? Um, you... It's all right. Let's let's not get distracted here. Maybe we just turn them off for the moment. You can pray. 
for whatever's going on there. All right. So here's the reality. And I know the enemy fights against us being connected in this way. He fights against this. This is how God intends for his body to function and to work together. It is attachment to each other. If I cut my arm off and lay it over there, it may be in the same vicinity, but it's not attached. And we have this mistaken idea that association, being in the same environment, is the same thing as attachment. And it is not. It is not. Now, attachment means that his life can flow. I'm going to say something very strong. I believe it with all my heart. You may disagree with me. You may not like me for saying it, but I'm still going to say it because I believe scripturally it is true. If you and I are not attached to his body and growing in that attachment, we are cutting off the flow of his abundant life to us. And if you wonder why you feel alone, why you feel overwhelmed, why you feel, and sometimes that can happen even in attachment, so I'm not making a blanket statement, but I am saying that often we isolate ourselves. We do enough, we, we associate with the body, but we don't necessarily attach to the body. And because we don't attach to the body, the life flows through the body. God says, I don't want you to just be attached to me. I want you to be attached to each other. Now, I'm going to very quickly say this, and then we're just going to pray. And as we pray, we can pray for whatever this alert is as well. But I want you... I want to address a couple things here. Number one, we are... Salvation is a personal thing. I cannot get saved for you. You cannot get saved for me. Okay, it is a personal, individual thing between you and God. That we establish, and I'm not denying that. But that's half of the equation as far as God is concerned. Because there is this individual working of God between myself and Him, where I am saved, I am born again, I am converted, I am brought into His family. But once brought into his family, now he says, I want there to be relationship going out. There's a horizontal as well as a vertical. And it's just as vital if you want to experience the life that I have for you, the life that I want to flow through you. You have to do this. Now, there are reasons why we don't. One reason we don't is because of pain and hurt. Because we've tried that. And it didn't work so well. If we had time to go around this morning, there would be lots and lots of people who could share horror stories about pain and hurt by other people who they were supposed to be connected with and part of. I get that. I understand it. I've experienced some of it. We could compare stories and some might say, well, theirs, theirs is worse than yours. And I mean, that's not the point. Pain is still pain. 
Let me share with you a biblical truth. It helps me every day of my life. God has used it over and over again in my life. This simple truth. Pain is not a wall that blocks me from God's purpose. It is a springboard that propels me into his abundant living. Pain is not a wall that blocks me from God's purpose. It is a springboard that propels me into his abundant living. What do I mean by that? I mean that you and I can respond in multiple ways to pain, but often what we do is we allow it to become a wall to protect us because we don't want to hurt more or again. And so I put walls up to protect. You can do that, but when you put a wall up, it blocks things both ways. A wall separates. A wall divides. And what did he say? He says he wants us to be connected so there be no division. No walls. Nothing that I put up to protect me because somebody might hurt me again. But it becomes this springboard that propels me if I allow it. To be able to say, Lord, this hurts. This stinks. But I... Well, here, here's an actual prayer that I have prayed often. Lord, I don't know enough to make this quit hurting. I haven't read or studied enough to make this quit. I haven't heard enough teaching to make this quit. I don't have enough willpower to overcome. Jesus, all I have is the belief that you're enough to heal my pain. That's all I have. And so that's all I hold on to, is that you're enough to heal my pain. So I bring it to you. And over and over again, he loves to take and meet us at that place and to heal, to bring healing. Now, he can use people. He can use teaching. He can use information. He can use all kinds of things, and he does. But ultimately, he is the healer. There is no tool that's going to heal you. It is the master who knows how to use the tool. Who come to him. So you've been hurt. I am not minimizing that. That may be a barrier to you right now, but the Lord wants it to be a springboard into abundant living. It also does something else because once you've experienced that and begin to taste that over and over again, you get to share with other people. You know what? I know where you are. I understand that. But let me tell you what Jesus does. Let me tell you who he is. Pain stands in the way often. Our own personalities can stand in the way. Just things that we enjoy. Some of you love being around people. Some of us do not. Or, truth be told, we like being around the people we get to choose when we, get, when we choose it on the terms that we choose it. That's what we want. It's not that I don't ever want to be around people. I just want to pick the ones and I want to pick when, where, and how. 1 Corinthians 12 does not give me that option because I'm under the lordship of Jesus Christ and he says, I want you connected to my body. So here's where we are this morning. It's a truth that you've probably heard. 
that you intellectually know and that I know. Over the next eight weeks, we're going to look at specific applications of one another's of how we do this. But today, if we don't first present ourselves and say, Lord, I'm willing to be connected to your body the way you choose under your lordship, then it won't matter what we say for the next eight weeks. It won't matter. It'll just be more information that we don't do anything with. You say, Pastor, are you saying we're not connected? I'm saying we can be more connected. I'm saying that God, what we've ta- we've gotten a little taste, and God says, I, I want to open up the fire hydrant. I, I want to, oh, you've got a drip, drip here. I want to open it up. Remember the old song, Showers of Blessing? We've had mercy drops around us are falling, but for the showers we plead. There's more that God wants to do in this area of connection. I want you to bow your heads with me. As the team comes back, in spite of your personality, in spite of the pain, in spite of whatever other hindrance might be, you connecting. And maybe it's simply a misunderstanding of connection. You know, one of the things that we have to to grapple with, we can't connect in the same way with every member of the body. Our body doesn't do that. It's not all connected in the same way. Otherwise, we just, I guess we'd be a ball and just roll around. I don't know. It's not, we're not connected in the same way to everyone, but we are all connected. And we care about all. We're engaged in this in this life with all. But you and I have to be willing. We have to be willing to live this Christian life as though we had siblings and we're not an only child. Because Jesus didn't teach us to pray, my daddy who is in heaven. He said, our father, our father. If one of my children decide that they don't want to have something to do with another of the children. They've got a problem because they're all my children. It messes up our connection. It messes up our relationship, our fellowship. Because they're all my kids. So if you don't want to have something to do with one of them, you don't want to have something to do with me. Are you willing? As we walk through this series together, Are you willing to say, Lord, I will be connected on your terms. I'll be part of the body on your terms, not mine. I don't even know what all that means. We're going to learn as we walk together what that means, what that looks like. But before you know, and before I know it all, I'm willing to say, yes, Lord. I submit. I surrender. Fill me. I will, I will attach. You being the head, me being a member attached to the body, but I will attach. If you're here today and 
you don't know Jesus, you don't have a relationship with him, you don't even necessarily understand what that means, well, it simply means you're not attached to the body. But he wants you to be. When we dismiss in a few moments, we have prayer partners. We'll be here at the front. I challenge you, encourage you, come pray with them. Come talk to them. Say, I don't know what it means to be attached to the body. Would you pray with me? Would you help me? Some may say, I am. I'm a child of God. I've been saved, but I'm not attached. And I know why I'm not attached. Would you pray for me? Because there's a wall to be overcome here. There's an obstacle. But I know why I'm not. Lord, I pray for each one here today. I pray for myself most of all because, Lord, you know, this isn't natural to me. I am one of those individuals who would like to pick and choose my relationships and do it on my terms. Lord, you know that. I also know, Lord, that every time I surrender to you, you keep doing a work that amazes me. I experience more and more of your life. And so, Lord, I pray for each one here today. I pray all of us would attach the way that we should. We'd surrender. We'd let you, we'd let you determine our attachments, what they look like, where they lead, what they do, what their purpose is. We don't have to go try to figure it all out. Lord, help us not go out and work out a plan in our own strength. Say, here's how I'm going to do it. Lord, we just present ourselves to you. And we're listening. Because you're the head. You communicate to the body what it's supposed to do. And Lord, all of our phones went crazy a little while ago. And we don't know what's going on out there. But you do. We don't know who's in danger, but you do. We don't know where they are, but you do. So, Lord, reveal. Bring into light that which is hidden. Restore that which has been taken. Demonstrate again your power. Because we're your body. You're the head. We trust you. And, Lord, we thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people's name. Amen.